0: it's episode 205 of crack the customer code the best podcast of 2017 wait wait there's been a mistake moonlight this is your award
1: when we say pioneers of customer experience this is probably the guy who pops into our collective cx minds wouldn't you agree adam Oh,
2: absolutely. He is one of the pioneers, though. I hesitate to use that term because isn't the expression, the pioneers get the
1: arrows? Oh,
2: no. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you know what? He probably did take some in the early days of selling the world on this idea of customer experience. And our guest that we are talking about so cryptically is Colin Shaw.
1: Yes, the one and only. He founded the company Beyond Philosophy, one of the first customer experience consultancies in the world. He's written several books, and his most recent book is really fascinating in so many different ways. And I think we we kind of dive into it in this interview in a way that I I just had a lot of fun in this conversation because it is so fascinating to learn about how our brains work and how we interpret things and what that means for companies, and we cover all of that in this discussion.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, we talk about a lot of those psychological uh principles and you know, the, the book's called the intuitive customer and we've always talked about those different things you know confirmation bias negativity mm-hmm. bias social proof is one thing we've talked about have we talked about social
1: proof Jeannie? oh uh, a little bit yeah we've well, talked I, about it.
2: <laughs> well you know what social proof is social proof is when you have reviews and ratings on itunes
1: Aha! Uh-huh. you know everybody could use a little more social proof couldn't they Especially the Crack the Customer Code podcast.
2: <laughs> Just laying it out there. It was a natural part of the conversation. No pressure.
1: <laughs> there you go. If if you're so inclined to give a little more social proof to us, we love ratings and reviews on iTunes, and we would love for you to do that. So there you go. There it is. There's the... <laughs> The hook, line, and sinker right there.
2: (laughs) Uh, But all joking aside, not that we're joking about wanting your ratings and reviews, but yeah, this was a really, really uh, great conversation because I like like Colin's take on the the strategic level and sort of how and why he decided to write a book on the intuitive customer. So Mm -hmm. I think without further ado, we should hear about Colin.
1: I think that's a great idea. Take it away, Adam.
2: All righty. Colin has been recognized by others as a thought leader in customer experience. LinkedIn bestowed him the accolade of being one of the world's top 150 business influencers. As a result, Colin now has over 242,000 followers on LinkedIn. Brand quarterly readers also voted him one of the top 50 marketing thought leaders over 50 for the last two years in a row. Colin has written six best-selling books on customer experience. He has had many appearances on TV and radio, including CNN, BBC, and NPR. He is the founder and CEO of Beyond Philosophy, one of the world's leading customer experience companies. Colin, hey, how are you? I'm absolutely wonderful. How are you? Fantastic.
1: (laughs) Good. We're so pleased to have you here. So thank you for joining us today.
2: Oh, looking forward
0: to it. I've been, um, yeah, looking forward to this for a while. So, um, good to always good to talk to to um, fellow enthusiasts.
1: <laughs> yes, we could start a club here. I think. <laughs> uh, so, Adam and I are really excited about this new book, and I think we both really love the theme of this because we've spoken a great deal on this podcast and throughout, you know, our own blogs and other things about customers being irrational and the incredible findings in psychology and in neuroscience in the last few decades about how our brains work and why we respond to things the way we do. And you've dedicated an entire book to how these things play out in customer experience. So I'm wondering, can you tell us a bit more about why you wrote The Intuitive Customer and why you thought now was a good time for this theme?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so I think, I think the, the issue for me is that um, we've been doing customer experience stuff since 2002. And when we started back then, we were looking at what we would call the rational and the emotional side of an experience. So there's a sort of a general, for us, there's a rec- general recognition, and here's a huge shock for your listeners, that customers <laughs> are people. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> Grail <Grail-breaking>.
0: Absolutely, loving <laughs> it. Eh? Uh, so um, we'd sort of worked on that basis for uh, a number of years, but it's always struck me that um, you have to go beyond that. And the interesting bit becomes what causes an emotion. Uh, and what we're also seeing is a lot of organizations at the moment who are saying that their customer experience program is plateauing or their net promoter program is plateauing. So I think it's sort of a bit of a perfect storm of organizations recognizing that they've got to do something different, but not really understanding what they need to do. And for us, it is around understanding, having a true understanding and a deep understanding of your customers, but not just a, a... Uh, a rational and emotional level but what we would call a subconscious and psychological level Uh, and hence the book it's a subject that's fascinated me for for a long time Um, and uh, hence I decided to put pen to paper and work with um, a um, professor Ryan Hamilton who's my co-author who's a professor of consumer psychology up in um, Emory University to to write the book and you know um uh, he sort of keeps us on the straight and narrow to make sure that we're um, keeping right with what academia and science talks about uh, and how that then applies to customer experience.
2: Well, it's perfect that you bring up uh, your co-author because one of the th- one of the things I've noticed and when Jeannie and I have discussed this before and our, our work with you know, these sort of psychological topics in neuroscience is that often we're applying studies from another discipline, say behavioral economics or social sciences, to the customer experience field. So are we starting to see more research, you know, along these lines of, of, about psychology and emotion and, and intuitive customers that is CX, you know, that customer specific?
0: Yeah, the, the, way, I, the way I would look at it, Adam, is that it, it is human being specific. So the the, and the interesting part is when you then start talking about customer behaviors, you could obviously then apply the same sentiment to employee behaviors, because again, you're talking about human beings. So if Professor Hamilton was on the phone with us now, he would be saying that, you know, the research, all of, all of the academic research about human, how human beings make decisions in, um, you know, that's been done in, in academia over the over the hundreds of years is appropriate in customer experience all we're doing is putting a customer experience lens to those topics does that make sense
2: oh absolutely and that's that's really my take what, what I found interesting and I don't know if you found this uh, with with beyond philosophy is that often yeah uh, you know, people who want help or customers you know c- customers who want to help with their customers want to know wh- you know where's the specific data you know, in this case, how how does how do these changes in language, you know, impact call centers or whatever it may be? So, have yeah. you found that people are receptive to, you know, what you just said and what I, what I completely 100% agree with?
0: Yeah. Um, the uh, yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That's awesome. So, so I, I think the, I mean, we have had people say, well, you know, does that apply in this area and that area? And my answer is, yeah, as long as your customers mm-hmm. are human beings, then it applies to you. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I think the other <laughs> key part here is, you know, the question we get a lot is, ah, uh, but does this apply in the business to business setting? You know, because business to business is different to consumer. Uh, and again, it's the same answer as long as your customers are human beings, then yes, it applies um, um, so yeah
1: we we joke about this this will work until the robots take over, right, so <laughs> until that time, this will work, yeah, I totally agree, yeah um and you know, I'm wondering how can if somebody's listening to this and they're a business leader themselves and they're thinking this is all cool, but how can I really use this to improve? the customer experience for my customers, because, you know, how, how is not really addressing these things manifesting itself in poor experiences today?
0: I think it's, a, a, it's manifesting itself all over the place. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the reality is, I've, I'm, I'm just about to publish a blog over the next few days about telecoms experiences that I've had. I used to work in telecoms and, you know, 20 years ago, and I don't think they've changed in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all know that poor customer experiences are all over the place. Um, and I think that not paying or paying sole attention to a rational experience, in other words, how quickly the phone's answered, um, you know, the, the delivery times, whatever it may be, solely paying attention to those and thinking that that's what customer experience is all about is, is at the root cause of why organisations are getting this stuff wrong and what they need to do to put it right. If they were to mm-hmm. embrace the emotional, subconscious, psychological side, they would f- find so much, ri- a rich vein of uh, information and action that they could implement uh, that would dramatically improve their experience um, that they would be very, very surprised. So I think the evidence is all around us, to be totally honest
1: And so... In that example, because I totally agree that telecom is always one of those industries that comes up because we can all relate to those poor experiences because we've all had them as customers. So if you were advising them to really advising the telecom company to take this knowledge about psychology and emotional connections and all of these things, what is maybe one of the things that you would recommend they do to really connect emotionally um, with a customer?
0: Don't get me started on telecoms. (laughs) So, um, the 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 root cause of all of this, particularly in telecoms, is the culture of the organisation and the lack of customer centricity. Um, So, you know, the the root really at the root cause of all of that is the way that senior execs talk about putting customers first. I used to work for British Telecom, and we used to have one of the values was we put customers first. We never did. Never did. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it would look great on a poster in the wall uh, on the mm-hmm. office. I think if you were to go a bit further and you know go, okay, well, we've got, we've got customer centricity um, sorted out now. Now how are we going to apply this? For me, when you're now creating a customer journey, You need to be thinking about how the customer feels at each of those touch points of the journey. You need to be thinking about what's driving and destroying value for customers and how you design it. And you need to be thinking about how you're going to apply some of the key principles behind behavioral economics and psychology into the design of of that experience. And, And that's effectively what we're talking about in the book is trying to give people an understanding, a layman's understanding of the theory, uh, but also then going on to talk about well, how can you actually then go about it and change things? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. oh. and I think I think you could. We could have a whole series of podcasts about telecom, I think, so maybe something to consider. They
0: weren't the only industry that were bad, Uh, but they're certainly certainly at the bottom end of the the pack, and that just surprises me how how they don't improve.
2: Yeah, you can can always uh, silence a room by saying, raise your hand if you love your phone carrier. Yeah, (laughs) I've never tried that. I'll have to try that one. (laughs) All right, well, you know. One of the interesting items that you focus on in the book, and this was really one of the takeaways for me, was the focus on customer memory. And I'm going to actually quote you here. You say, the only way to build customer loyalty is through customers' memories. I'd love for you to sort of expand on this idea for us.
0: Okay, so this is not my idea. Um, So credit where credit's due. This is a guy called Professor Daniel Kahneman. And Professor Daniel Kahneman has um, uh, he's won the behavior, uh, won the Nobel Prize for behavioral economics. Okay, so clever guy. Uh, and what he talks about is so. In fact, let me before I go on that, let me let me give you a bit of a take a step back and explain this a bit further. If you think about customer loyalty, you cannot be loyal to someone unless you've created a memory. Because if you think about it, loyalty, as we talk about in the book, is a function of memory. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. for you to go back to someone, for you to think, where should I go? I will go back here. And you're going back here because of the the product or the price or the, the experience that you gained. By definition, you're talking about a memory. So... Here's, here's, the, here's the, the the line. People don't choose between experiences. They choose between the memory of an experience. Okay, And that, for me, is really, really important. So people don't choose between experiences. They choose between the memory of an experience. Hmm. Does, does that make sense? And I'll go on and explain this a little bit further. But d- let me just stop there. You ch- you're comfortable with that so far?
2: Absolutely. I'm a huge Daniel Kahneman fan, and I I hadn't heard that. That quote's great.
0: Yeah. So when you therefore talk about, um, you therefore suddenly go, to create loyal customers, you, by definition, you have to create a great memory. So how a memory is created. And what Kahneman talks about is the fact that there are, we have two selves. We have the experiencing self, which is your listener, this very moment, listening to the podcast um, as they're doing whatever they're doing. Um, and you have the memory of, you have the remembering self. So the memory of that. So after they've listened to this podcast, hopefully there is one or two things that they will remember. So the interesting bit becomes how do you create that memory? And what Kahneman talks about is he talks about the, the peak end rule. What people remember in an experience is they remember the peak emotion that they felt and they remember the end emotion that they felt. And endings are incredibly important. And uh, the peak emotion and the end emotion can obviously be positive or negative memories, but that creates the memory. So the issue becomes, what is the peak emotion in your experience? When is that happening? What is the end emotion in your experience? We know when that's happening. It's happening at the end. But what is the customer feeling? Um, And what emotion do you want the customer to feel at the peak in the end? And the last bit I would throw into the whole equation would be, which emotion drives most value for you, the customer? So, which emotion are you trying to evoke? Because you've done the research to prove that that will drive dollars to you, or uh, loyalty to you, uh, or increasing net promoter score to you. Um, so, you've got to, for us, you've got to define the emotion that you're trying to evoke, which is an emotion that drive, which is an emotion um, uh, that drives value. You then got to work out where the peak is in that experience, and the end. You have then got to work out how you're going to evoke those emotions at those at those times. So that's wh- and then if you do all of that, then that's where you can then start to um, start to to, to really uh, really get practical and really start to create some positive emotions and positive memories uh, that will drive value for people.
1: Wow, I love all that. and it it makes me think of how so much energy in business often is focused on that acquisition phase. And they spend so much time and money and resources putting trying to, quote unquote, stay in front of the customer, right, or the prospect. Yeah. And then often, once they become a customer, they don't think of it that way. And they so in a way, if you're not creating these really powerful experiences, and you're relying on memory for somebody to be loyal, then this is a huge opportunity that is just being missed all over the world. I mean, it's. Yeah. I, it, I,
0: it, I, yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree with you. I mean, I, I think it's the single biggest thing I've learned in ten years. Um, mm-hmm. Because now, if you now start to think about journey maps and stuff like that, then obviously, by definition, you should be now looking at where the peak is in the journey, where the end mm-hmm. is in the journey, what are you doing to do those things? And invariably, organisations, the end of their experience is, is horrible. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, all well, the customer gets ignored, but endings are incredibly important. I mean, just look at the movie industry. You know, what happens at the end of virtually every movie? You know, the, 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 the hero wins, everyone walks away happy. Why? Mm -hmm. Because endings are incredibly important and create that that memory. So, you know, a focus on what you're going to do with a customer at the end of their experience, um, rather than just taking the money and run,
2: it Mm -hmm. is critical
0: to creating a a really good memory.
2: So much. And and you can also not just find the peak. I think you can in some, uh, you know, at some touch points, you can help create the peak. Yeah, you know, strategically, ma- you know, manufacture the peak on purpose. Yes. No, I,
0: no, I totally agree. And and and, you know, bear in mind what I said before, which was the peak at the moment could be a peak negative. So the peak could be at you know step five of your journey, but it's actually a negative. And actually, what you want to do is create the peak to be a positive. You know, uh, customers feeling valued or cared for or you know trust, and you want it at step seven. Um, and you know, and and you you are then designing your experience to to achieve that.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow! As the,
2: as the kids say, one hundred.
1: Yeah, <laughs> keeping it one hundred. Um, well, and I I love this idea of kind of the peak and looking at the journey map in a slightly different way, but one of the things that i'm super passionate about is this idea of micro interactions which are these small moments that are often neglected or overlooked in the customer journey but they can be very important and so it really that's why i think i love your sixth imperative that we must accept that apparently irrelevant aspects of your customer experience are sometimes the most important and that's a quote and I, I, I really believe this, but I'm wondering, can you explain why these seemingly trivial moments can be so important?
0: Yeah, because they portray what customers really think or what the organization really thinks about you. So mm. you you go into a bank and they put pens on chains, which says, we don't trust you. Um, right. So, you know, you... Um, Without these, the the micro moments or the micro interactions build up to a bigger interaction and build up the perception. So this is where we would we would class these things as subconscious uh, experiences. So in other words, you've got your conscious mind, obviously, and you've got your subconscious mind. So these are messages that you are giving your customers either without knowing about them. you, You don't realize the messages you're giving them. Uh, or, um, uh, you know, and your customer's picking these up, but they're not necessarily being able to art- articulate them. But for me, the best example of a, of a micro-interaction, uh, and the way, again, I always explain this, is um, when I come home at night, we, I shout hello to my wife, Lorraine, and within a one-word response from Lorraine, I know how she's feeling. i know if she's feeling happy i know if she's feeling sad i know what i should do if i want to try to make her happy i know what to definitely not do Um,
1: (laughs) uh, sign of a good husband
0: (laughs) uh, sign of a long marriage um uh, but that so if you break that down into these micro interactions and you say well what's happening there well what's happening is first of all i am I understand through the tone of her voice, the body languages, the, the, you know her eyes, the movement, how she's feeling. I'm making that interaction. We all know that you know language is just a small part of um, uh, communications. I then know what I need to do to convert her from feeling frustrated or unhappy to happy. Now, you know, do do the same again in a business environment. Your customer walks in, uh, they're feeling unhappy. They go into a call center. The, the, you know, the call is where the customer's frustrated. You need people on that, on that, um, uh, in the call center who can identify how the customer is feeling. You then need to train them on how they are going to implement those micro in- interactions and convert the customer to feeling something else. Uh, and and again, um, you know that because that will create the the memory. So it, it's about understanding those micro interactions and then training people, um, training people on those. Uh, and we mm-hmm. call that memory maker training um, that, um, that that we again do with the professors to identify which micro interactions will evoke what emotions. Um, because you can get down into the, the detail of what are the words and phrases that you should use to create trust or to create cared for or valued or whatever it may be, and therefore create the peak or create the end that you want. Does that make sense?
1: It does. I'm nodding vigorously. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the, the downside of audio.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's great. And I think it's it's so powerful when tied to that idea of memory, too, and how, you know, there's lots of research about how we remember things, and it's not necessarily linear or logical. It's all based on these emotional triggers. So when they look back, it might not be exact reality, but they're going to remember that feeling. They're going to remember. That's why things like scent are so powerful, because we it ties back to all of that. So it's really interesting in that context.
0: Yeah, no, no, you're, you're 100%, uh, 100% right the, you know, it's all of those things that create that experience. And the interesting Mm -hmm. part is, we all know, again, that memory can be altered. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you think back, most people have some memory of a vacation or something that happened with their family or their friends that gets talked about every time that the family or friends get together. Uh, And, you know, that one episode that may have caused a lot of, laughter suddenly gets blown up into this massive event that, you know, became really important and was the central point of the whole two-week vacation that you had. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the reality is it only lasted about, you know, 10 seconds or something. Um, yeah. So, it's you right. know, and it can get expanded and ch- your memory can get expanded and changed and, um, uh, you know, and
2: all those wonderful things as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I know one thing. We are going to remember this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well played, Adam. Thank you so much. I'm here for the segues. Well, Colin, Colin, this has just been absolutely great. I love the book. Love the discussion. And we really appreciate your time. We know it's evening there across the pond. So tell our listeners a little bit about uh, where they can find the book, where they can find you, and all that good stuff.
0: Okay, yeah, thanks. Um, so um, if you just go on to beyondphilosophy.com, uh, that's obviously our website, uh, and you can find all of the information about the company there. And the book is, um, it's published by Palgrave Macmillan, uh, if you either, well, sorry, therefore Amazon, uh, or just Google, uh, Google Colin Shaw, and you will um, I invariably come up as the top. Uh, so, um, just um, follow follow the links through there. So you'll you'll find uh, that book and all my other books um, uh, available on Amazon and the and our website.
1: And we will definitely have all of those in the uh, show notes as well. So we'll, people will be able to find you there as well. But we, uh, I, I certainly just could talk about this all day with you. So I really appreciate you spending some time with us and sharing this wisdom. And I hope that. I hope that organizational leaders will read this book and understand that they're doing a lot of things wrong, <laughs> and it's time to to shape up because we need it. So, thank you, Colin.
0: Good. Well, thank you. It's been it's always great to have these conversations, and um, I hope it's been of, of use to you
2: and the listeners. Absolutely. Definitely. Thanks so much, Colin.
1: Thank you so much for listening to Crack the Customer Code. A proud member of the C Suite Radio family. If you like C-Suite Radio, then check out C-Suite TV and watch in-depth interviews with business content for C-Suite leaders and entrepreneurs. And it's all on demand. Get insider secrets by going to C C-SuiteTV.com. We really do appreciate you spending your time with us. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our customer experience investigation consulting at 360connects.com.
2: And I'm Adam Teporek, and you can learn more about me and our customer service workshops and training at
1: customersatstick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers.